1: Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Clemson AD Dan Radakovich has filed a petition with the ACC to widen and lower the goalposts, just like UNC's academic standards. Taking a page out of Dabo's book, embattled coach Butch Jones attempted to visit the South Carolina locker room to congratulate the Gamecocks, but was turned away due to a plumbing disaster. Despite a banner week six, no HJs saw the light of day at Williams-Rice Stadium or the Carrier Dome. Clemson is 6-1 and life has been better. Welcome back, everybody. We are the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben and Cody. Fellas, how are you doing a couple of days after this game?
2: I'm not. Uh, even when we lost, um, I, I didn't feel as bad as I thought I would. You know, we went through the loss at Pitt last year. Um, that one sucked. We kind of got a warning shot from the North Carolina State game. Well, that being said, I think we played far worse in this game uh, than either of those two. Um, but we lost last year We went on to win a national championship. So I do find some peace in that. And to be honest with you, I would rather, A, I'd rather lose in the middle of the season than at the end. This is about the same time I believe that we lost last year. Um, And then B, I'd rather lose to a bad team than a good team, to be honest with you. Because when you lose to a bad team, I know that Syracuse is not better than us, but that tells us all the things we need to work on. And I know those are correctable mistakes, a lot of that stuff. Lose to a good team, that just means that we're not up to their level. They're better than us most of the time. So I find peace in that. That being said, a lot of things have to change. Um, I've had better weekends of college football. I hate Friday night games. Uh, I hate them even more when we lose them. Um, Did not watch any football Saturday and barely paid attention to the NFL on Sunday. So I'm getting back to it, though. We'll be
0: all right. The sky is not falling. We're doing better than Washington State, who lost uh, like like 30 points to. That's a good point. To Cal Berkeley. Granted, they're they're not the Clemson Tigers, but they're they were a good team. they were a top 10 team, hoping right. for a playoff position. But no, I I tend to disagree with you on um on how we lost. we will go into more more into the game, but I think Clemson played they played okay. They didn't play their best for sure. Syracuse played out of their minds, and they executed really well. And I think in terms of comparing it to NC State or Pittsburgh from last year. I think those two games we played worse in than this actual one, and I think thus far in the season or to the, the seventh game in the season, we've been maybe a better team than last year's team. I uh, mm. not with I mean, granted, we always knew, we knew what the upside was last year. We knew what, what Deshaun Watson can do, but I'm I'm still happy with the uh, this team's performance so far in the year. Yeah, I think I don't know.
2: I think it's kind of a bit of fool's gold sometimes when you go back and look at the Louisville wins and the Virginia Tech wins because you go back and watch those games. Both those teams. Um, really shot themselves in the foot at critical moments in that game. And that's how that game got away from uh, – Clemson was able to pull away so big in those two games. Uh, that being said, honestly, going back and watching this game, Syracuse should have beat us by more than that. They had a lot of crucial penalties um, and mistakes and some pass interference calls, where, which you know, rightfully so, but their wide receivers had no business pass interfering. They were already open. I think Syracuse could have beat us by more. I think for me, one of
1: the lingering things that maybe is getting – washed out in some of the narrative coming out of this game is the fact that the defense led up 27 points um, to a Syracuse team and give them a lot of credit um, the game plan. Well, Eric Dungey, I thought played just one of the best games that we'll see from a quarterback really in the last couple of years. Um, and yeah, I mean, still, I think it was a matter of this defense, not being able to adjust um, and coming out flat um, against that Syracuse team. They also obviously have a lot of talent at the receiver position, but um, that was kind of the, the takeaway for me that, was most disappointing about this. But I think that what gives me kind of hope or solace after this loss is I don't really know that they exposed any fundamental flaw behind this defense. I think a lot of it was just um, wrong team at the wrong time, the way they play tempo. um, And, you know, we got it as Cody, as you said, just their best effort.
2: Yeah. Okay. I'll give credit where credit is due. Syracuse came out. They played tough. They wanted the game more. They played better. They executed better. I mean, they they did have more penalties than us, so they were making their fair share of mistakes. Um, but I'm sorry, there's no excuse for Clemson to lose like this. Syracuse has not closed the gap that much from a 54 to nothing loss last year, whatever it was. Um, this was Clemson's most embarrassing win since the, lost or loss since the 13 FSU 11 uh, 2011 Orange Bowl debacle. Take your pick there. Whichever one you think is worse, but this was the most embarrassing loss in a few years. Now that being said, Clemson has lost a lot of games in the last few years, but still, this was an embarrassing loss.
0: From a national headlines, maybe you could say that you're looking at box scores and things like that. It doesn't look good on Clemson. It won't. It won't. Obviously, it's not going to look good when the playoff committee, you know, decides our fate. Um, you know, should should that happen in the coming months. But all in all, I, I think I, you know, looking at lingering things or things that were exposed. I really, I agree with you totally. I don't think there was much exposed. They implemented a lot of pace early and everyone's going to say, you know, we didn't come out with heart. We didn't look good. It was because we were like flat footed. We were caught off guard on a number of, of plays early on. That exposes
2: weaknesses, right?
0: It does, but I don't think teams can play with that. That was just a incredible, incredibly quick pace. I've never seen anything like it. They executed really well. It took a lot of Pre uh, game planning, a lot went into, you know, their you know, their weeks of pra- their week of practice going against us. So I don't I don't really think that exposed us, and I don't think the defensive players were lacking effort either. I, I was watching them get in the backfield. They just couldn't quite get a dungeon. Give him a lot of credit, as you, one of you said. You know what the funny
2: thing is about their pace? You know, Clemson teams of years past, especially under Chad Morris, where we'd run ninety, hundred plays a game, our offense was up tempo the entire game long. Those guys were conditioned. that we had enough, I guess, uh talented enough reserves to come in and, and spells people at times. Syracuse is not that deep. You notice that they actually slowed down towards the end of the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. Their tempo was not nearly the same.
1: Yeah. I chalked out at the talent too. Um, I mean, I think Cody, you're right. Maybe we didn't expose anything new or Syracuse didn't necessarily expose anything new. I do think we saw some of the things that we were criticizing this defense for, and there hasn't been much. I mean, they played an amazing year so far and you know, they've been, they've been really the, strength of the team. Um, But I think that, you know, if you want to, this isn't even nitpicking and this is calling out, you know, things that we saw Um, tackling, you know, tackling and pursuit um, and really coverage from the secondary, particularly the safeties. I think both reared their head in this game with an athletic receiver core and a quarterback that could um, not only, you know, put it on the receivers in the right spot, but if he can avoid our, avoid the sack they were coming back and catching first down balls you know third down conversions et cetera all, all night including late in the game when there was a lot of fatigue setting in
2: Oh I mean that third and 11 late in the game uh, where I think it was Ishmael uh, came back and caught that ball in Mullen for a first down I mean that was a critical point you got to stop there we, we're gonna get the ball back and have a chance um, you know to go down and to win that game but you know who was it Mark Fields who did not have a good game at all there was such a cushion on there and he couldn't get back.
1: We we have talked
2: throughout the year about
1: obviously the de- the defensive front is the strength of this this defense as well, um, but in a tempo type situation, I mean I saw a lot a lot of confusion actually among the linebacker core um, in this game, and I feel like that is a result of tempo and not being able to. You know, Brent Venables does a lot on the sideline. He has a lot of you know exotic signals that he's calling, getting the plays in, and um, you could tell it was affecting this team's readiness um, and reaction.
0: Right, they were they were playing on their heels, and one of the kind of the staples of Venables' defense is he likes to he likes to dictate the terms in a way, meaning he likes to be the one that's making you work for it. Given the you know throwing eye candy or, or giving different looks for the quarterback. In this case, I mean there were so many instances where, like you said, they just were
1: making like hard.
0: Yeah, they were shifting the line. They were doing like loading it to, from one side to the other. Um, they were obviously doing working with pace, and sometimes we weren't even down in our in their three point stance before at least the defensive lineman. Before the ball was snapped.
1: I mean, let me ask you I mean, looking at either remaining teams on our schedule or teams we might face in the ACC title game or, you know, haven't have hope we make the playoff. What teams, what offenses can sort of replicate this performance?
2: Uh, possibly Miami in an ACC championship game. Are they up tempo at all? I haven't watched no, a lot of them. I
0: think Auburn was the only one. Because yeah, yeah, the, they need the North North Carolina Carolina a mobile quarterback, too.
2: I mean, sorry, guys. Yeah. You, you do need a mobile quarterback to make this thing work. I think maybe our biggest threat is somebody we may, if we make the playoffs, somebody we may match up in that first round game, whomever that may be. I mean, those, the cards will continue to fall on that. The playoff picture is far from being over. So it's hard to speculate at that point, but nobody left on our schedule, I would say.
0: No. And Auburn would have been the one, the kind of way to stymie a, a up-tempo offense like that is sack the guy or hit the, hit the quarterback in the backfield. We were able to do that against Stidham. So, I mean, that stands to reason. So, yeah, I don't even
1: Farrell played a tremendous game. He did. I don't, don't want to. I mean, I, I definitely want to applaud his oh, effort. He was the bright spot on the defense for sure.
0: Absolutely. And
1: there were quite a few plays where he he barely you know missed some sacks. Obviously, Austin Bryant probably had his worst game of the year um, in this one. Um, and we, you know, due to the tempo and everything else, we had a lot of substitution happening up on, on the front.
0: Right, and I know there were some penalties, too, that were very uncharacteristic, one by, by Wilkins, who does have a, a kind of a knack to get a little dirty there at the end. Um, we saw it a little bit last year in the, in the, in the bowl game. Uh, and then Austin Bryant made like just a stupid mental lapse where he did the same thing. Well, and,
2: and so I want to talk about two things you mentioned there. Uh, one, the substitutions, and, and two, the penalties. So if we can start with the penalties just for a second, I think that ties in uh, very well with this overall uh, – theme of lack of attention to detail like malaise yeah yeah that this team clearly came in because they were looking slow all game i mean Kendall joseph was chasing down Dungey at one point i don't think i've ever seen him run that slow i mean the guys their heads just weren't in and all these stupid penalties it did kind of start up i don't think this is a one game uh, one time thing that you can say this is an outlier because we seem to have some trouble with penalties against wake forest i believe in the last game where we actually have started to be penalized more, but you've seen it early on in the season, and I, I don't want to keep these, def- especially the defensive guys, um, from losing their 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 swagger. But you often see after every sack, after every big hit, there's a lot of dancing around and stuff like that, and it really comes back to bite you in the ass. Um, with penalties, you know, with penalties in these situations, and you really start to get humble. I mean, the Tanner Muse throat slash after the. After the, uh, the fumble return for a touchdown, that, that's just stupid, man. Come I on. I did like him chugging the ball, though.
1: I want to say that. He chugged the ball? He chugged the ball, then he slashed the throat. Okay. Got a well, little aggressive.
0: Well, he owes but... the team 15 yards, so. He's a millennial. He's, I don't even know if he's a millennial. He's a young guy. He's only like 20 years old, but he should know. Everyone knows. Never use the, the throat slashing for whatever reason. Never. It's, it's they're, forbidden. The
2: in on it. Exactly. Yeah, never. You just, you just don't do it. Why would you Yeah. That, I mean, that's just stupid. That's just lack of focus
1: a couple other things I noticed kind of breaking this game down not only 27 points like okay you can arrive at that number a number of different ways Um, Clemson was actually gifted with 192 hidden yards in this game on a field position advantage I was as shocked as you guys are Um, we had a great punting performance in this game you know when Will Spires was using his foot not his arm and uh, you know we, we also had a turnover for a touchdown so 192 hidden yards you know a it's almost two lengths of the field plus a, a touchdown so on defense. Is that
0: 192 yards factoring in Muse's return? Is that like that 70 yards or so?
1: um i'd have to check that out i'm not i don't believe so because i think the dorian o'daniel one did not help in the Virginia Tech game so wow. this is just based on us pinning them inside the 20 Well, either way our field times. our
2: field position was was much better than theirs the entire game now they won 16 the, yards per drive yeah now as a side effect of that you know they won the time of possession battle by 10 minutes but that's just because they had longer fields to drive and they did i mean we 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 pinned them within the, like the five or ten five yard line i think three times throughout this mm-hmm. game and no
1: three and outs in, in either of those. Um we only had one time where we we turn you know we turned them over on the, the very next, not turn them over, but um, caused a punt on the you know they got the first
2: down and then caused and a the punt. It was like third and forever, they were punting out the back of the end zone. But right. still, yeah, I mean these are just little you know things in this game where the we on the defensive side of the ball, they failed to execute. I mean, in moments throughout this year where this defense would step up at, at big times and make the big play. It didn't happen in this game and we said it all year long, like until this offense gets going, if this offense, you know, if, if they get going at all, the defense is going to have to win every game. And we don't believe that the offense can win it for us. Well, this was the game where the defense had a night off, did not have a great night, and the offense wasn't able to pull through and do it for us. No, uh, no, going back to the substitution thing uh, that you mentioned, you've seen a lot of this talk out here and Cody, you and I briefly discussed this uh, during the game. There's been the, the the gripe and the chatter from the fans all year long about all the the early game substitutions on both sides of the ball, really the offense and the defense. And first, when you look at the, I think the the easiest narrative to um, cherry pick is on the defense side of the ball, where these guys got worn down, and you're naturally going to say, well, they're not conditioned because they haven't been in there, um, you know, playing three quarters, four quarters in a row because they're substituting so many guys out and getting even third stringers in there pretty early on, and. You know, I guess the argument against that, and Cody, you mentioned this, is that the conditioning and everything happens during the week, but I still think it's foolish to discount that 100% because I think the experience of being in there for three quarters in crunch time and being a little bit winded and being able to push through that threshold, there is, there is something to that. I believe I don't think you completely di- can completely discount it. Where I think the substitution comes into factor more is on the offensive side of the ball. But I'll let you go talk about the defense first.
0: No, I, was, I agree with your logic there. I just don't. I don't think I agree with it. And I know others have said that on you know on social media like that you know given these guys those those reps when they're when they're a little fatigued might help them. But I, I totally disagree. I think you actually you actually you stand more of a chance of risk to get, uh, for injury when you're fatigued. So I I I, th- I don't think that had anything to do with it. Well, then how many points? would they? put up had we not been substituting early all year. It
2: would have been worse. And it w- theoretically, it would have been worse, right? Because those guys would have been tired, more tired, because they have been used more all year long. I'm just saying, there's something to be said about that. You can argue both sides of it. I would not completely, I think it would be foolish to completely discount the fact that these guys weren't battle-tested in a game, except for maybe the Auburn game. I
1: mean, to speak about fatigue for a moment, I think this, this bye week, you know, it's hitting kind of at the middle point of the year after seven weeks, so slightly after that. Um, good timing, I guess, to get get a very tired and worn out team. Um, you know, some rest and ability to recuperate. Um, but even going beyond that, like, I don't really know. I think it's tempo that affected their fatigue in this more than, um, you know, reps throughout the year. It's definitely a huge fact. For sure. And, and the other thing, you know, that Dabo's talked about is we play and, you know, sounds a little bit like Chris Peterson for a different reason, but we've played all our row games at night. Some of them in Virginia, um, some of them now in upstate New York. They don't stay overnight, um, you know, in their respective cities when they take a road trip. They head back to Clemson at that point, and um, they're they're getting back sometimes at like five, six a.m. from these, and then they have to, they get Sunday off, I guess, and then they, you know, get back in there to start
2: practice. I mean, that that can take its toll as well. I don't know after home games or Um, after a noon game in Death Valley, you think they're just going home and going to sleep? I've seen him out on the town. Oh, I mean, for sure. I I think it's more on their terms, though. Than just, yeah. Anyway.
1: They, play, tra- they saw, play night games a lot. I saw
2: Charlie Whitehurst year. running around at 2 in the morning throwing a football my day
0: after a game. He's made a career of doing that. He in has. In the NFL. Good for him. <laughs> Getting paid. Uh, no, I, I think th- this was just a, a weird game on a lot of fronts. Going to New York. Big guys and airplanes. They're like in, in Vegas. They actually have for basketball players. They can manipulate the lines of the game based off of the time of travel because they know that affects performance, uh, especially from East Coast to West Coast. So I'm just saying, guys that are normally traveling from South Carolina to Virginia now they're going. But now to,
2: we're now we're just making excuses for them. Let's let's hold the team and the coaching staff. Accountable. D- dude, I'm
0: just saying. I'm just saying. Look at like looking at all the elements. It's a Friday night game. Like these things matter. I think we tend to think of these guys as video game players, look but at the like how differential, the-
2: top to bottom.
0: We're what, deep. What I saw on the field, what I saw on the tape, was not like a huge, huge talent differential. Uh, their wide receivers were good. I mean, they, they had a great game plan, don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying these, these kind of things happen. Well, when you look at a Friday night game, you look at the travel, you look the, at... The difference
2: on the field is that the carried they played on. with more heart, and we got out coached. Not going
1: to disagree with either points. I think you cannot separate what happened on defense from what happened on offense. And the lack of success on offense led to the defense, you know, the time possession. Syracuse ran 83 plays, Clemson ran 57.
2: Oh, yeah, it's Um, it's not all the defense by any stretch of the imagination. The offense shares a lot of the blame for this game.
1: Totally. I guess before we wrap up on the defense, I wanted to get your guys' take, like, how much of this you put on lack of execution from the players, lack of focus versus the coaching staff and not only a game plan, but also adjustments.
2: Uh, I think this is probably the worst game I've seen Brent Venables coach at Clemson in recent memory, just because of the fact there were no adjustments. They, Syracuse did the same thing over and over all, all night long, and I didn't see any adjustments. Uh, that being said, again, these are all correctable mistakes. They you know. go back and watch the film. Uh guys can get a wake up call. They can be humbled. You know, they can, you know, get their head back in the game and stop committing all these stupid penalties. These are all correctable mistakes. We did not get beat by a more talented team. We did not get beat by a better team. Got beat by a team who came out with a lot of heart. They executed their game plan well, and we didn't
0: play great. We didn't coach great, period. So Venables, again, like he not getting his play calls in. That's a big part because you know what he does. Like he probably spends twenty of his twenty-four hours of the week watching film of the other team. He wants to see what they want to do. And they talked about him stealing signs. I don't know if it's like goes that far off, you know, the deep end. But he does some things pre-snap, knowing what they're doing, and respond to it. And again, dictating the terms. He wasn't able to do that. Is it repeatable though? Going forward, I don't necessarily think so because I don't think any team we play incorporates pace. So, so let me
2: ask you this: I, I, I frankly, did not study Syracuse at all coming into this game because they're Syracuse but tempo seems to be their style on offense. Should they not have known that coming into this game, that they're going to run with tempo, having seen them play whatever five or six games they've already played this year.
0: Again, you kind of just, you beat tempo by making tackles in the backfield, stopping drives. And they just weren't able to do. It. They weren't able to get the quarterback. Eric well, Dungey looked like Lamar Jackson from the year before. He was great, and they'll call him scrappy and all the other white guy adjectives. But he was really athletic, and he outran some of our secondary guys.
2: No, no, he had, he, he had was really good, and he made
0: some really nice passes.
2: Oh, there was one play, his forty-five yard run down the sideline, where there was like he seven guys just late on him. Uh, so
0: super he pl-
1: tough. He came back in the game too after taking a shot from who was it? Was it Dex? I think uh, so.
2: He got yeah, he got rolled up there, twisted, yeah. twisted his leg or something like that. Um, but they just, he just wanted it more. I mean, that's the bottom line. That's what it looked like out there. But all correctable stuff. Like, not the end of the world. This defense moving forward, don't worry. They're going to be fine. They're going to be a dominant defense. Got some things to clean up. It's good. Again, it's good to lose this game in the middle of the season. You learn a lot. And when you're Clemson, you have the stature of Clemson, you still have everything on the table in front of you. You can win out and win the ACC. You're national returning uh, defending national champions. The playoff is still right there, as opposed to a team like Washington State. That one loss, they're done for.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely get into our thoughts on the Clemson's path forward in the playoffs after maybe we touch on the offense and special teams. But um, I think in this one, just in terms of the defense, to wrap this up, things that – you know, a, a type of team, a type of offensive game plan that can challenge this team. If you have a solid O-line, if that, if our front cannot get pressure and your quarterback can hit passes downfield, I think we do have an issue with our secondary and coverage, particularly the safeties. Uh, and we've gotten a lot of good play out of our linebackers and coverage. Um, how much are we going to be able to rely on Dorian O'Daniel to bail us out all year? I think that is an area that concerns me a bit.
2: Well, and I don't think in this game in particular it had anything to do with their offensive line. I think Cody said it best. It's all the, the pre-step movement, guys not being able to get set. There's a lot of times where you still saw decks staring back at the sideline when the ball is snapped. You saw linebackers running into each other not knowing who to cover um, because things were just moving so fast. And to top that off... They had a vertical, a lot of success in the vertical passing game. So you start combining those two things, and stuff starts opening up in the running game. They had more success running the ball up the middle than any team has against Clemson all year.
0: Yeah, and if you, you can chalk up 14 points, two touchdowns to one Mark Fields missing a tackle. And again, that's just our that is our defense. We we that's kind of the trade off when you're so aggressive and you. Your system relies on shooting gaps. Well, sometimes on the back end, if a t- if a team can execute, get the right play call, in which they did on that first drive, it was just Mark Fields to make a tackle. If he misses it, that's just that's, that's
1: a, the long pass over the middle. Uh, I actually no, thought that, it was Ryan
2: Carter that broke busted a cover. It
0: was, I believe, it was Fields. It was
2: Fields who missed. It was Fields who missed an open field tackle. Yeah, and then he ran it for the touchdown. And ran it for the touchdown. Yeah. Now, but who's to say? I mean, they had just driven the whole most of the field. They were like down to the thirty. It was 30, third 12, I think, or so something like that. There should have been a stack. I there. think I, I was talking about the, their second passing
1: touchdown.
2: It was more like, and a then the second yard. one was
0: a. I think well, most likely, Van Smith. He was in like a man coverage when they were supposed to be in zone.
2: Nah, to me, it looked like the Carter let his man go. Yeah, was, M- Muse didn't cover over the top. There was three guys defending. This is the wide coming out.
0: from Alex Kraft. I, I read well, there, article, was, there was so. three,
2: there was three guys defending the wideout at the top of the awesome. formation. And Muse was one yeah. of those guys. And then the other guys were in man coverage down below. Ryan Carter, guy passed him by. I think Muse should have gotten over because he didn't have three guys in that guy at that top wide out.
0: Either way, it's it's fair to really put that in a proper perspective that 14 of their points came literally just from blown Two plays. Left. Maybe you can call that you know, the trade-off of three at field gold had they not got had they stopped him on the first drive. Somebody so screwed up. 10 point bottom or, line. Yeah, yeah. So I mean it, like that's the that's the so difference.
1: What's, what's a Mason Rudolph gonna do if face them? What's a... You know what I mean? This is Syracuse, Eric Dungy. Like, they've got a solid receiver core. You know, don't want to disparage Eric Dungy, but. Are, Ishmael's going to play in the NFL. There are other really strong, you know, quarterback, ride right, receiver combos we may end up facing. And who knows? I mean, Miami's improving. Um, we might face Josh Jackson and Cam Phillips again. You know, again, I would, I would earmark this as an aspect of the team that coaching definitely needs to work on in terms of, it sounds like the safeties for the most
2: part. Well, in the secondary, for the most part, has played really well all year long. Um, they've addressed the things that we that was asked of them coming into the year, namely not giving up the big plays and you know having good open field tackling. Just broke down in this game, plain and simple. Some PI calls in this one too. I mean, you yeah, about they kind of regressed in, the, in that. And again, due to those heavy legs, they just they were worn down. But when you see Clemson uh, defensive backs with their back turn the whole way, it's not good. Those guys need to be in a position where they can turn around and find the ball. For sure.
1: Um, well, we will put this one behind us from a defensive perspective. We get Georgia Tech next. Um, really no, no better way to get over this than the type of team and offense that Brent Venable's defenses feast on. Uh, but, you know, we will see in the NC State game thereafter how we can face off against more of a kind of standard offense um, against Ryan Finley and co. up in Raleigh. Before we move on to our offensive preview, I wanted to take a moment to thank our listeners. Um, you guys have done a great job spreading the word about the podcast. Um, engaging with us on social media. We really appreciate the listens um, and particularly the call-outs. Um, before I pass to you guys, just wanted to acknowledge uh, Twitter follower Alex Askey. Um, Alex has been a good follower of ours, kind of retweeting and engaging with us throughout games and during the week. Alex, appreciate you listening, appreciate the shout-outs, and um, we will continue to hopefully
2: um, do right by you. Uh, yeah, and then a couple guys from Facebook and then also Kevin Foster, uh, he's doubling up on SoundCloud too. So, him likes, shares, mentions. Uh, appreciate you, Kevin, and then also. By the way, that's that's my old college roommate,
0: Kevin Foster. Oh, is that the guy yeah. who sent us the, the he, video? Yeah, uh, I talked to him this week. He is a police officer in Connecticut. Great guy, expecting his fourth child. Um, Congrats, Kevin. Yeah, so he's awesome working guy. On a, working on an O line there. He, yeah, yeah, there's some there's some ladies, but you know they can play football too. Um. <laughs> hey,
2: it's right. It's the
0: 2010s. But he did he did call me. He's like, hey, I'm seeing all these shout outs. I just want to let you know that I've been listening the last two years. He's like, you never shout me out. So, Kevin, thanks for listening.
1: <laughs> well, not only that, he took a video of himself listening to the podcast in his police cruiser. So we appreciate that. Keeping the streets safe. Yeah. And tuning in to.
0: That's what he does. He listens at night at four o'clock From in the morning.
2: Clemson, South Carolina, out here to San Francisco, California, to a police cruiser in Connecticut. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, and then one more guy. A nice uh, message on Facebook from Daniel Alvarez. Uh, he's currently he's currently a student at Clemson, uh, so good luck there, Daniel, with the the rest of your studies.
1: Yeah, so we really appreciate everyone reaching out. You know, if you listen to us, you're a far flung listener. You're down the street in California. You're in Cle- in Clemson. You know, let us hear from you. Um, love hearing from our listeners, and you know, we, we want to continue to produce a good show for you guys. Uh, but why don't we convert over to the offense? So guys, in this game, tale of two halves. But you know, to be honest, I think this offensive game was was lost earlier in the week, um, last week. And um, for me, this comes down to the decision to not only start Kelly Bryant um, coming off an injury, but actually by elimination, not have uh, one of the backup quarterbacks um, taking primary first string snaps last week. Um, I don't, I don't think it's a very obvious no-brainer thing to have benched Kelly Bryant, but I want to kind of throw out there my, my reasoning
2: for that. Well, I think Zarek did take some first-team snaps uh, during the week, and I'm fine with Kelly starting the game, but after the first couple of series, you could tell he was hurting. That's, that, that's the latest you can leave him in. You need to get him out. You can test him to see if he can go early on, but once it's apparent that he's hobbled and he's, I mean, he's really 50% of himself because if he can't lose his, use his legs, that's his greatest asset. Um, you got to get him out of that point. And that led in part to him getting a concussion just because he couldn't get away.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, my logic in benching him earlier in the week would have been, you know, there's kind of three advantages to that. Number one, you allow him to recover and recuperate for three weeks. You get the Syracuse week, you get the open date and then, and then presumably he'll come back into practice and limited capacity if need be, um, heading into Georgia tech. That's like one benefit Two, you get Zarek Cooper, uh, Another solid week. And if he's the guy, if he's looking the best in practice, if he's the one they have the most confidence in, who are we to question them, I guess, at that point? Obviously, I think we liked what we saw from Hunter Johnson in the the Wake Forest game in limited minutes. Uh, But, you know, getting Z the first-string snaps throughout a week is a lot better than getting him prepped um, in about a half. And I think the third reason there is is actually for the offensive play calling and the coaches. And
2: make no mistake – it's it's not because Kelly Bryant went down that we lost this game and didn't perform well on offense. We should be able to be Syracuse with any three of those guys, um, Bryant, Cooper, or uh, Hunter Johnson. That was not the problem in this game. I mean, I think fair, and I, I think
1: what you're implying is that it was a play calling issue, not capitalizing on what they were giving us, not adjusting to what we could get, and taking advantage of the quarterback skills and traits. And I guess. That, that's, what, that's what makes me feel like we should not have had Kelly Bryant in this game because all year, how he's, how has this offense been running? It's been running through his legs, no pun intended. It's been flowing through his legs. And they had to know Tuesday last week, Wednesday, Thursday last week, that he was not going to be able to give you the type of performance he's been doing. So if that's the case, sit him. And there's another like tangential benefit of that is if we benched or you know sat Kelly Bryant in this game, we go on and lose the game to Syracuse, you know, you will get a pass nationally from that. You know, you're without your starter. You're you're on your second string kicker.
2: Uh, yeah, well, when the college football playoff committee sits down, they're going to look at this. it be like a three-point loss on the road. They lost their starting quarterback in the game, and they're on their second string kicker. So that that's still there. I don't think that's a factor. I think if Kelly Bryant, if you think he's 85% or better heading into that game, then yeah, go ahead and start him. But if you get two drives in, and it's clear that he's limping around and not going to be able to give you anything in the running game. And it's, it's putting him at risk of, of further injury. Take him out of the game. We got like three, four stars on a, on the bench and a five star. We've got quarterbacks. Put somebody else in.
0: Um. Okay. You're, I think you're right. So I, I, I see, I, I believed it. We we talked about it last week. Hurt ankle. Your number one asset is your legs. It's risky. And it, and you can't, simulate anything like that in practice you can't go 100 percent with him playing live action exactly. with defensive guys coming at him he can't do a zone or read option where he reads the defensive end in like a real live situation and then once we saw it in Syracuse it didn't take long um, to know that he's playing and he looked really good credit to him in the first like half nine for nine passing his arm was amazing yeah like he, it, but it, that's not like that was more of an outlier he's he can't do that he can't sustain that throughout not a a game passer well we've,
2: we've seen it Clemson looks very good on their first couple scripted drives and it all breaks down
0: yeah. And it, I, I agree though. You should have, we should have known probably like probably Wednesday or Thursday that, Hey, he's, he's good to go. We've got him cleared, but his ankles hurting and we won't know for certain. So you can roll the dice with Kelly or with Hunter Johnson or Zarek Cooper being the first team guy, having them look a little bit more comfortable. What I saw from Zarek Cooper, he actually didn't, wasn't all that bad. he, he just he looked out of sorts at times. I he didn't he
2: playing fine except on third downs.
0: He's getting a lot of blitzes coming his way, and they were very blitz heavy. Syracuse's defense. He was unable to pick those up, and the running back with him, Etienne, a lot of times missed a couple of blitz pickups pick, uh, pick that looked like. So like, that just kind of compounded the issue. Had they gone in first thing all week with him as the number one guy, I think you would have seen something a little bit different. And I think,
1: and part of this to me is on. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah. The coaching staff preparing to have Zarek Cooper in there calling an offense that maximizes his traits they had halftime to come up with that plan and then whatever in-game adjustments are
2: lacking, well, they had the to have had quarter. a backup plan going in too it's not like they just learned at halftime that zarek cooper might have to go in there like they, they had no coming into the game didn't look like it it didn't well it's not just that again i even mentioned like clemson's play calling looks out of sorts after they get through their first couple scripted drives like, Feaster and ETN are running out of their minds. Like, why are they not getting more touches than they are? Why why, why are you calling first down? Like, a lot of Zarek Cooper's drives stalled out is when we got a first down and we decided to pass on first down instead of feeding the guys the rock, like, where we were being successful moving the ball. Like, once we have an incomplete pass or a sack on first down and we're, like, second and 10, second and 15, second and 16, something like that with your second-string quarterback, it gets increment incrementally harder than if you're at second and seven, second and five, something like that, that opens up your playing calling. You well, get pushed back. That allows them to blitz.
0: They were stuff in the box. So they were responding to the defense. You hear that you've heard that. And it's been written about like, we do what they give us. They'll take what they give us. So like passing, was a, and, and by the way, he wasn't horrible on his passes. What was, he? I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he wasn't horrible.
2: He was horrible on his third down, the crucial third down passes. And we saw that we've seen that before out of him. He's he's fine when the pressure's not there, but that's where I think Hunter Johnson maybe has that edge on him. Whether you know Derek Cooper knows more of the playbook, he does have more experience, blah blah blah. But I don't know. Maybe just you know, let Cooper run it. So you get a crucial third down. Throw Hunter Johnson in there.
0: Yeah, and I mean that's a whole nother Joking, of debate course. all in of a, in, a, in in of itself of the backup quarterback. Who will that be if if KB isn't in next week or in two weeks? Who would that be? But I think and it, let me go back just to the decision to to start Kelly Bryant over Hunter Johnson or Zarek Cooper, in this case, Derek Cooper. I think that's a really tough call. It's really easy to say in hindsight, by the way, but I think it's a really tough call in the moment when it's Thursday, Kelly Bryant's walking around without the boot. He looks good. Um, he's looking like he's probably making some cuts. I think that's a really tough decision. So I, 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 want, I don't want to put all the like blame on the coaches, but I think ultimately that you have to roll so the it's dice about
1: risk mitigation. At I this agree point, with the season. It's a, it's a
0: CEO call and you got to, yeah. Go and, ahead. uh,
1: you know, Think of it like a scale. On the one hand, you can have, call it the conservative play. You've got, you go with, you, you keep Kelly Bryant, you know, three weeks rest, as I mentioned. You give yourself a week to prepare your your backup or your number two to, to get in there and go. Um, and you, you know, like I mentioned earlier, maybe get the benefit of the doubt within, within the national playoff committee. The other hand being, if Kelly was good enough to go, like maybe we can ice this game early and, you know,
2: bring one of those guys up. As a, as a backup I, in the game. I still think we're getting way too hung up. Yes, the quarterback thing was a factor. We've had this conversation now for long enough, I think. There's other glaring weaknesses in this offense. It's, it's yeah. the play calling. I mentioned the substitutions earlier, so I'll get to that. Where it may not make much of a difference on defense as far as continuity goes, uh, and having like a defensive line gel, for instance, it does on the offensive side of the ball. What we've seen from this offensive line all year is they're having trouble picking up blitzes. And when you're cycling in and out guys on the offensive line to where you're not having your five best guys in there learning how to play with each other, getting on the same page, especially when you have replacements over last year, that's going to come around to bite you in the ass. And that's what has happened. It happened in this game. You've you've seen them struggle this year, struggled in this game to the point where if it was Brian in there or Cooper in there where they were feeling pressure, those guys haven't played long enough to have the experience and awareness to get out when they need to when to throw away the ball? Kelly Bryant had uh, that one um, um, intentional grounding call. He had a few sacks, uh, plays for losses that this offense just can't sustain right now. Um, so that's one of the things uh, that, and uh, where I think the substitutions across the whole team, I think it's actually a bigger factor on the offense than it is on the defense, and it had more effect on this game on the offensive side of the ball.
1: Yeah, I think from you're right to point out, like kind of what's a what's a lingering effect and. Really not seeing much in-season development happen from the offensive line is a bit con- concerning, particularly the right side. Um, and the, the blocking
2: capability of our running backs, I think, is another kind of ongoing liability. Well, you mentioned Cody, ETN,
0: missing a couple blocks. Well, that's why you give him the ball, because you know he ain't going to hit nobody. Well, the defense is, they uh, they're they're, they're on, they on they know where it's at on ETN. Like, you know, he doesn't block all that well, although he's getting better, and you're most likely going to feed him the rock. Fifty percent of the time, if he's in the game,
1: but don't do zone reads then. Don't. I mean, the read is, or know
2: that he's not going to block for you. I guess. Right. And just let if him read. rip off fifty yard runs because that seems to be working. Nobody's addressed that problem opposing defenses yet.
1: Well, and I I forget where I read it was it was definitely in a tweet. I forget who gets the credit for this one, but you know why weren't we doing looks? Let's say with Feaster, where we went with a zero backfield and brought you know had him out wide and bring him back in. You're not going to stack the box necessarily when we're showing a zero, zero field set, um, and then bring him back over, at least that gives you more of a, a fighter's chance You know, when they're stuck in the box.
2: Well, I don't know how complicated they can get with the offense. I mean, maybe you talk about that in the first half. Uh, in the second half, I don't know how much you can do with Zarek Cooper in there, just his, his limited ability. But what you can do is I mean, you can still, we were running the ball well, I thought. It's just when we stalled out a lot of the times, it was on those first down throws. I just want to talk about a few other observations, guys. I
1: mean, in terms of play calling, and unfortunately, I think maybe this is a little bit more just the, the effect of Kelly Bryant not being mobile, um, the effect that that can have on the defense and what they what they keyed in on and didn't react to. Um, there was one specific section of the first half uh, where we actually thought saw three consecutive plays to Mari Rogers. Um, you can say what you want about an, an offense running three plays to the same player, um, but you know the first one was a failed screen pass um, to Rodgers to the right. Um, second was a nice out route, and then the third was actually a, a failed jet sweep. Um, did you guys see that play? Yeah. Jet sweep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was Over one string of plays. Y- yeah, exactly. And I, I believe that was on a, a zone read where you know typically Bryant would decide he'll read the defense, see where whether handing it to Rodgers will you know gain yardage that way, or if he, right, right. he should break for it. And I think. Really, the
0: defense—they
2: weren't respecting Kelly Bryant's ability to run the ball.
0: Yeah, nor they, should
2: they. And the, we, I, we weren't either.
0: It was comical. They showed a replay. Mac Brown mentioned it in the broadcast. Three uh, Syracuse defenders completely ignored Kelly Bryant and just went straight to Amari Rogers. And that's when you know it's a problem. They, that is, that's a problem. Yeah. So a
2: couple things uh, on that string of plays. Now, the one catch by Amari Rodgers was was a great catch. Sure, but. The jet sweep, as we mentioned, they're not going to respect his ability to run, so everybody just goes after the other guy. Then also the screen game, screens do not work. We are not screens execu- do not work for this constant offense right now. We are not yeah. executing the screen game because a Kelly Bryant doesn't get the ball out fast enough, and b our wide receivers can't block worth a crap for the, for the po- for the guy catching the ball.
1: Exactly. I yeah. mean, it is a good way to neutralize a, an aggressive front, you know, an aggressive blitzing offense or defense up front, and unfortunately, it's just not working. I spend these
2: two weeks fixing that. If that we we got to figure out another way to be successful getting the ball to the outside than, than those plays that aren't working. There's got to be other I mean, ways because we are wasting wide receiver talent right now. We really are. I mean, just I, it's I also, not being able to throw the ball as well, but then also not being able to use a guy like Ray Ray's abilities on the outside, beyond Kane's ability to wiggle. I think we're not throwing the ball deep enough either um, in this game or you
1: know in, on, on this offense at, at this point. Uh, but a lot of that also depends on our quarterback's ability to have a plant foot or them respecting his running ability so that opens up one-on-one coverage. So I, all of this is interconnected. I mean, I think that we brought up the Amari thing too. It was kind of a microcosm of this game, really, those three plays. A failed, um, a failed screen pass, a failed you know, ability to you know, bait a defense, and then really a nice, a nice pass play too from Bryant. So I want to give him credit for that. Um, he definitely was a tough player in this game. I'm sure, you know, he. the coaching staff would have listened to him if he pulled himself out. He stuck in there and unfortunately went down with a concussion. Um, second, you know, I don't know that the first um, moment in the Auburn game was a concussion or not for Kelly Bryant. We had a scary moment in
2: that game. The wind was knocked out of him. I, I, I thought he was concussed at first, too, but you could tell afterwards it was the wind. But this one was scary. I mean, it's the way that he goes limp there. You never know, like you automatically think concussion sometimes, but well, and it's mean, a I dome. never know. If it's like it's a, like a sp- concrete floor underneath yeah, and, that, too. But I never know in those things if there's like a spinal injury or something like that. Like it, it's just scary to see that all the more reason not to have him in there at that point because he can't escape. Definitely. Um, I guess, guys, you know,
1: we've talked a lot about this game in and of itself. Any lingering sort of issues, wrinkles, cracks in the dam that you saw in this game? concern you
2: uh well you one know, of the one of the plugs dance. in the dam I'll say is Hunter Renfro still continues to perform at an amazing level that one catch he made was one of the greatest catches I've ever seen not only getting to that ball from Zarek Cooper which was you know kind of
1: overthrown or trailing on Renfro but going to the ground catching it just as he hits and not and even it.
2: bobbling get get his hand under there I they mean, didn't even review it I don't think
1: no didn't need to um and not only that showing it to the official kind of in the motion, um, just incredible hands. I mean, that play right there is why this kid's going to get drafted. Say what you want about his size and athleticism. while oh, he's but. playing in the NFL. Play for the Patriots.
0: <laughs> the only thing, and, I'm, and not to go back to the quarterback situation, but I, I, I think two parts. Kelly Bryant has distanced himself as a starter. He's a guy we can win with. He's done really well. He's exceeded my expectations this year. We said we had two guys that could go behind him, and it, that where there wasn't a lot of drop-off. Well, apparently the coaches seem to think there is a lot of drop-off, or they would have started Cooper in the first place. Um, and then what we saw from Cooper—that was a large enough sample, finally, where I can say it's not that he doesn't have ability. I'm sure he does. I'm sure Hunter Johnson does. But in, in a real game situation where the blitzes are coming, the pressure's on, uh, he just wasn't ready. Now, and he made some good plays, but he just all in all wasn't ready. So. Bryant has this himself as the legitimate starter. If he's not in, that's that's an issue. I would Still imagine. Still
2: think you have to adjust some play calling and also the personnel out on the field because Kelly Bryant struggles as well when blitzes are coming. And again, after Clemson finds some success early on in the game, the offense when, when you say to, play to calling
0: to, though like, that's I, I mean I agree. There's there's some plays that you can go to. A lot of times the screen pass is the one. So that's again it's a double edged sword. What I mean? What do you go to? I, I just think it's a it's a matter of having not having Deshaun Watson. Maybe our expect expectations are a little bit inflated from having him in previous years. It's not easy picking up those blitzes and responding based off of those. Uh, again, I think
2: the last two drives of the game, we were finding success running the ball, and when those two drives blew up, it was on first down passes. That's all I'm saying. I mean that, and then the personnel issue is, I think on offense we got to get our best guys out there on the field and. Get them better. Get this offense better. Like you, you gotta perfect that first before you start getting talented uh, third string guys in the game, right? I mean, the That's offense needs to a, for, perform better to, as a whole. I mean, they just have to. It's we've it, we've 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 seen that this defense is not
0: going to be able to win every single game for us. And I, I still think this whole game was an aberration. It's I an outlier. All correctable mistakes.
1: I mean, I guess another silver lining that I saw in this offensive performance, Mylon Richard had a couple of great catches, um, did? went over the middle, and then um, actually throughout throughout the field. So more of that, please. Um, more more inside running. We saw the success with that early. Um, Tavian Feaster had a hell of a long run for the touchdown on the um, what was it the second drive. Uh, so
2: yeah, just uh, press what works. Oh. I want to uh, touch back on something that Cody and I kind of debated about in the last episode. I don't think there's any argument you can make whatsoever that Deion Kane, the combo of Deion Kane and Ray McLeod, are better than Mike Williams. Oh, yeah. Set.
0: So I did listen. I, I didn't, and I said duo. I used the word duo, and I, I was incorrect. Uh, but what I really meant was our whole wide receiving core as a whole was better gotcha. this year. Gotcha. But I said the combination, what I was referring to, was Hunter Renfro and Ray Ray McLeod and the, and the step that they've taken gotcha. this year makes me think as a whole this uh, this receiving court might be better than last year's. Deion Kane needs to stop dropping balls. He's good for one a game. His, his biggest asset is is the deep game, his ability to run those fade routes. And he's not – there's no one that's really able to get him the ball. Uh, Kelly Bryant's done an adequate job so far. Do you but think DeAndre Overton gives you a better job at least? Like, Deion Kane is not winning those
2: 50-50 balls 90% of the time.
0: Yeah, I'll say for what this offense is, for what Kelly Bryant is, or hell, even Zarek Cooper – we do need Overton in there more often. I don't know. I don't. I don't mean for the fade routes. I mean for intermediate routes. Right. Um, Kane's been pretty soft too. I would say. I agree. Yeah. He, I was hoping he would take a step forward this sure year. He has not. He showed signs of it, and he did it against Alabama in the national championship game. But he hasn't been able to do it for sustained periods, and that hurts no one but him because he's got a payday coming.
1: Let me ask you guys: Who do you see as the locker
0: room leader among
1: this receiver core? I
0: don't remember
1: that. But is he? Uh,
0: Do you need a leader as a wide receiver group? Though I'd say Jeff Jeff Scott, he's their coach.
2: I think no. Players got to be held accountable to themselves. I I think you need a leader. And I'm. I mean, now caveat. We're not exactly in there in the locker room. So how do we know? Uh, We're not hearing anybody that's taking ownership. So no. I mean, that's actually one of my notes uh, about this game as a whole. Yeah, we're better, more talented at linebacker this year. Well, you know, unless you go up-tempo and throw the ball, then Trey Lamar, your best-hitting linebacker is in the game. Um, But what you lose from Boulware, even though he's not as physically or as physically talented as as some of the linebackers we have now, just that hard tenacity and the leadership on the defensive side of the ball and then on the offensive side of the ball leadership from a guy like Deshaun Watson – and Arteva Scott and Jay Guillermo, right? That's – we're missing, and that's an element that this team doesn't have yet. And it should have been expected because this is not the same team as we lost some key pieces from last year, and this is a younger team. Not to say it isn't going to happen, and it is fair for them to to go through, um, you know, uh, these kind of um, uh, motions, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think for – for a Syracuse
1: game like this, kind of perfect storm, a lot of conditions existed for this to be tough. I mean, it's hard for any team to go on the road on a short week against what will be a bowl team, most likely, um, and win these games. This kind of stuff does happen. I think having a strong vocal leadership core among the team can help you get over the hump or in the middle of the game or on the sideline after a bad series. Yeah, you got your coaches yelling in your ear, but you know, I did not see a whole lot of players pumping up players on that sideline. Well, they were and- tired. <laughs> that's fair. You're trying to catch Um, their breath. You know, and this is not me levying a bunch of criticism. I just, you know, I'm wondering if that gear is there for this team. And I I look around, I mean, we've, we have graduated a lot of guys. How many, how many seniors can you name off the top of your head on this offense?
2: Well, well, most of them lead their, leave their junior year. So I think we almost had to start Crowder. I think
0: Crowder's the only one because he went to the, the spring day or the senior day or whatever it was ACC media day. So yeah, it's it's still a young offense. Um I believe he is the only senior. He's a Redshirt senior. Yeah. So. Anyway, just to, but yeah, just leadership. Just just I mean thought. Mitch Hyatt is the guy. He's seasoned. He's one of the leaders. Um I you know, I hate to put like I don't think there was great great leadership last year. I just think Deshaun Watson was that damn talented and he was more of a quiet leader, just do it by example. I think I just think the talent isn't there, particularly at the quarterback, in the same way that Deshaun Watson
2: uh, was. and the offensive line is not playing as we thought they would.
0: They've the, been good all year. They've this had is
2: supposed to be a better offensive line than it was last year. It has
0: been.
2: I don't think in pass protection. I think there's been a. I think there's. I mean, running the ball, yes, we've been better. Um, I think that is. Run blocking last year was not good at all. I'd uh, say you could. The,
1: the debate in pass blocking is Deshaun Watson at a level of awareness. And elusiveness that
2: yes Kelly Bryant escapes a lot of sacks how much trouble did we have at right tackle last year
0: it was the same guy
2: <laughs> but that's what I'm saying the regression the the, the continuity isn't there because we had, we had we issues with Jake more. from
0: Morgan as well but yeah, and Pollard came in and spelled
2: yeah. him, and then eventually Ancrum came on. But
0: it hasn't been great. But you're you're right, totally. I think it's the same like DeAndre Francois concept. How much of it is on the quarterback and his ability, and then the DC's propensity to sniff that out and then attack based off of his inability or Bryant's inability well, to pick up the blitz. And let's it's not like put a, it,
2: let's not put it all on the offensive line because you're missing Garrett Williams, uh, who was a really good blocking tight end, and then also Wing Gallman is, is a far superior blocker than anybody we have on the team right now from the running back position. Right. Yeah. And you know,
1: if you've got CJ Fuller out there, they know he's out there to block. He's not out he's there. They're not giving already. the ball anymore.
0: Yeah. They definitely don't fear him when he, when the zone reads, that's for sure. Yeah.
1: Uh, so lingering question marks on this offense. I mean, we were, we were in a position where we needed this offense to win a game. Cause the defense had a bad night. Couldn't get the job done. You know, plenty of, if you want to call it this blame to go around, plenty of factors leading into this. And, you know, we are optimists on this show, believe it or not, as much as we've been complaining tonight. Um, but I think, you know, if you are being real and pragmatic about this team right now, I don't think we have all the answers right now. And I don't think you can say, oh, we'll, we'll bounce back. We beat Pitt last or, you know, we lost to Pitt. We ran the table last year. Um, Pitt happened after the Florida State game last year. So that was in I think that was our next to last ACC game. Might even have been our last game before um, we went into rivalry week. Um, last year. So that was in November. We, we still have uh, three formidable ACC foes left Citadel and then South Carolina. Um, plenty of games left. Plenty, of plenty of teams can challenge and clue in on, you know, some of the stuff we put on film in this offense. And the biggest question mark we have right now is the health of Kelly Ryan and the ongoing health. Maybe he gets that ankle right in the next two weeks. Maybe the concussion is not a big deal. Let's hope so for his sake, um, really a, for, for his lifetime. Uh, but, you can re-aggravate that ankle pretty easily. I mean, that is, depending where it is, et cetera, it's not something that, you know, is just going to go away.
2: Well, I think it'll be good for him to have a couple, well, at least this week off, and a couple weeks in between games. Uh, you know, I think if in years past with Deshaun Watson, if you go to him by week and he has a bum ankle, that you sit him for two weeks and you allow him just to come back and play because he'll be ready for the game. Kelly Bryant still needs those reps in practice. He really does. Um so he's going to take a few days off this week until they feel confident and comfortable enough with him back out of the field. I think they said he was uh, running today. Um, but he's going to need to be back to practice, practice next week.
1: Well, that wraps up the offense. Let's flip it over to special teams really quickly. The only highlights are as they were, lowlights in this game um, that I thought it was, would be worth talking about. You can take your pick here, guys. Uh, why don't we start with the, the fake punt or sort of the, the misaligned punt. Um, If we learn anything from Andy Tezall, I guess what we can expect now is Will Spires to throw um, a crucial first down to Christian Wilkins coming up, but he certainly seemed to do this one on his own merit. I think this was a designed play where he was meant to do a rugby punt unless he saw a coverage that he liked, and then he was going to throw the ball to to Muse. Uh, Seemed to see what he liked, but there was coverage there, and this was just a complete flop.
2: Okay. First off, Let's start with giving him credit for his performance this year as a punter and for him the last couple of games, improving on the things that he wasn't doing well, and that's getting the ball inside the 20. He's done a fantastic job at that. Now that being said, his play-calling abilities leave something to be desired. Um, now, if this play goes well and he connects on this pass, it's brilliant. But he didn't. And Tanner Muse wasn't even close to being open. And
1: but I think you have to consider the game situation. We pinned them deep. They they were not moving the ball well at that point.
2: They moved the ball, didn't they moved the ball enough on the last their last drive of the game, no matter where they got field position to run out the clock. It's not like they scored. They just needed enough to run out the clock. I, I think hindsight in part is twenty twenty, but I think there's a lot of valid criticism for giving a freshman uh, any type of
0: read yeah, yeah, to make this responsibility. Yeah, that, that card should not be in his pocket. It should not be his option to make.
2: Now, if anything, this is a learning moment. We may see some play way down the road where we benefit from him learning from this. And I, again, I'd rather this happen against Syracuse than in a crucial moment in a playoff game when I think, what was it, the ACC championship game where all just off yep, and, against UNC yeah. kind of called his own shot. And then, yeah, but so, against Oklahoma. Exactly. So, rather connected. have this happening at Syracuse in the middle of the season and him learn from that. Um, And we saw last week he completed a pass for a first down on a a fake punt. So, yeah, I I think you got to coach him up a little bit better than that, or at least in this situation going into punt, if you really don't want him to to throw the ball, you tell him you do not have the read on this play, do not throw the ball.
1: Good enough. Um, Two missed field goals in this game, one in the first half. Um, This one, not really sure if it was a, a situation with the hold. Um, but really didn't get too much loft or air under the ball, and it sailed pretty wide left. Um, that was the one we joked about, um, Dan Rad changing the dimensions of the goalposts. Um, you know, that said, Alex Spence's confidence at that point had to be rattled. Um, he, I, I think, at that point he was one for four on the season. Um, went down, did make a field goal um, later in the game. I think that was in the third quarter.
2: Yeah, we tied it up at seventeen. Yeah, we tied it up. Point is, we can't trust him from anything over 30 yards, which essentially means we have to get down to the 13-yard line to feel confident that we can kick a field goal. I mean, this this is far more concerning on special teams than the than the blowing the fake punt, I think, because moving forward, we have absolutely zero confidence that we have a kicker who can make a clutch
1: kick. Would you guys have tried uh, Will Spires in this game? I mean... This game was a game we wanted to win. He's maybe not, not, not the a, right time. There's
2: a difference. He's not a place kicker. Christian Grooms sure. is our third string kicker. Uh, the only other guy on the team with experience actually kicking the ball. He had, I think, two PATs last year. I think at this point, going into you got two weeks of practice. You open put, open, you, open, kicking yeah, open, open kicking competition. Open kicking competition. Absolutely. And if you deem Spence is the the best guy uh, for the job. It, if he misses his first kick against Georgia Tech, you put in Christian Grooms because it's one thing of how you look in the practice. It's another thing of how you actually look in a game situation.
0: Can I say – can I recommend we just don't have a field goal kicker if we're not in the red zone or maybe even beyond. I don't know what that limit is, but –
1: Well, how do you guys feel about the, the decision to kick a ball there late in the game um, on a you know field drive going down?
0: Would it you was, have gone for it? Uh I think it was 12 yards to go, maybe and or 10 yards to
2: go. It was, uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we we had several yards to go, and it was down the middle. He was almost dead on center. And it's a 38 yard field goal. He has the leg for that. That's not a hard field goal. Um, I can't fault you taking a field goal. I mean, that should be a gimme for a scholarship for a scholarship
0: kid. It should be, but you've you've learned now, and I just think I just don't think you risk it and further risk in his psyche going forward. So what do you do? Like, do you punt? Maybe. <laughs> Do you go for it? Maybe, but I don't think you kick a field goal. That's, just, that's like a turnover.
2: Jamie Skalski.
0: Maybe so, but I think <laughs> like a fumble. It is. It is like a fumble. You, I mean, you could at least gain a little bit, marginal bit of field position from it, or take the risk of the you know, the upside of converting right. on a fourth down. So
1: we're Clemson. That should mean we have a good offense. Typically, I mean, I'm yeah. not saying we should be able to get 12 yards on anybody at any time. Obviously, we're in fourth and 12 for a reason. But I think you you play third down differently.
0: Right. I think that's where oh, the, that's you the know. difference. You don't take shots on third down with your arm. If you can, if you can make a third and eight, a, a fourth and three, then yeah. you, you do that. I think make it I
2: think when we're between the 40 and 15 yard line, that's four down territory from this point, moving forward. So you start thinking about it differently on third down, right? Well,
1: enough about special teams. I mean, obviously this, you know, Clemson right now in the S and P plus advanced rating system has this at 122nd in the country, special teams. Large, <laughs> largely predicated on our punting, um, which maybe isn't fair to Will Spires, but I think that was based on some early results. Um, field goals, for sure, um, and kick returns, actually. So um, Etienne, or Etienne, actually, I want to give him credit. Um, he's looked really explosive. He, he chose to come out on one. Six yards a bit deep. Late. And Six yards deep. Got to the
2: 25.
0: Oh, can we place that a wager? It
2: wouldn't have been any worse. Sure. Uh
0: Etienne. Etienne. ETN, I'm sorry, or Ray Ray, who who um, returns a touchdown first? And I'll take ETN. So I don't get to take him. You you could actually you could take Etienne. I'll take Ray Ray. Okay.
2: What, what's what, what's at stake here? What are we talking about? Um, uh, I still want my dinner. At steak the last dinner. Year, so I'm not <laughs> I'm not in confidence that <laughs> you guys are gonna pay up. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll, I'll buy you a
1: PBR at the bar. Sounds good. I'm gonna go wild card Hunter Renfro.
0: Okay, like I'll still take. <laughs> <They're right. laughs> yeah,
1: that's a good one. I'll take ETN then. Um, well, guys, I mean, I think I want to pivot us to a couple of things here. Let's talk about what the what the remaining schedule looks like and Clemson's p- potential path to the playoff. <laughs> a lot of people I've seen spending a lot of time and, and energy talking about the fact that Clemson can do it and. My answer to that is, of course we can. You know, our schedule sets up well. We right now have, I won't use ESPN's strength of record because I have no idea how that's calculated, but ultimately we have still some of the best wins in the country um, and the best resume. If you look at the teams ranked ahead of us, at least in the AP poll, we have the best wins compared to them. Not a lot of them have very many ranked wins either. Um, The
2: other thing to consider, a lot of them play one another. And that's the same thing that happened last year. I mean, you look ahead of us now, so it's two things. Uh, one, what can Clemson control? Two, what's going to happen with everybody else? As far as what Clemson control, you win out. You win out. You win the ACC championship game. You put yourself, just by virtue of that, in a very good position of uh, of getting back into the playoff. Because guess what? Not once in these few years of the playoff have four undefeated teams gone into the playoff. So that, there's a precedent I mean, I there. I don't know at this point. Could even be a two-loss team this year. I don't know. If, have we had one of those before? No, I'm not no. sure if there's been a two-loss, so it could be. Uh, two of the things you can't control uh, are the people ahead of you. Uh, but Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin, they're all going to play each other. And two of those big ten team teams are not going to make it. I think there's only going to be one. So that, that moves you up from seven to five just by that. And then you're looking at a TCU team who, while impressive at 6-0, and I don't have high confidence that they're going to win out this year. Um, and if they lose, even if they make it to a BC, uh, uh, Big 10 championship game or Big 12 championship game and they lose that game and Clemson's your ACC champion, both with one loss. Clemson gets in ahead of them. Uh, Georgia, that could be, Georgia and Alabama. I mean, TCU, we lost to Syracuse. If they lose to
0: Oklahoma, Oklahoma
1: who doesn't lose another game. But we won the
2: conference. Okay. I mean. I, I think Clemson gets the nod just based on There could be can, a one loss schedule. Big 12 champion who
1: loses to a much better team than Syracuse. I'm not saying, I mean, I, then I think you look at, at a conference schedule, which you're going to give Clemson likely the favor there for having beaten Auburn, who hopefully can turn around their season a bit and win a couple more games. I, I, anyway, I just think, throwing I, it out there. I think, that
2: the, I think the biggest thing we have to watch out for is there's going to be one big team, 10 team in there. Uh, the, it's, it's, I think, what we really have to so look out for. So you think there will be, what's gonna, your playoff? There's going to be a big 10 team in there. Um, the, where it gets kind of tricky is you got Alabama and Georgia. I can see Alabama and Georgia going undefeated, and the loser of that SEC championship game still gets in, putting two from a, the same conference in for the first time. I think the only way that I see Georgia uh, losing if it's not Alabama is they play at Auburn here in a few weeks. Auburn lost to LSU. That's a bad loss. I mean, LSU has been playing better, but I don't think they're a great team. Uh, but Georgia has the ability to lose that game. I think it do Clemson a lot of f- favors for Georgia – to lose that game because if they do, then I'm feeling a lot
0: better about Clemson getting in the people they have ahead of them. I I agree uh, about Georgia and and Alabama. I can definitely see that being the case. And then the other, other two spots it's just a musical chairs. Well, it's not even that there's two spots for four conferences, but, but I still would think there would be this Notre Dame who I don't think you guys can chuckle. No, I don't. They're, they're improving. Well, let's see what they do. If they lose the USC
1: state, USC and Stanford. They play at USC, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. And they also play wake. You know quality opponents. If they run that schedule right. with they one play, loss play, to
0: Georgia. They play
2: at Miami. At Miami as well. At Stanford.
0: Um, yeah, if they yeah, if they run the schedule. Run yeah, if the they, table, run, if they yeah. run the
2: table, by all means they're in. So, so that's again, that's where I think getting Georgia to lose, if Georgia loses, that opens up two more spots for Clemson, assuming that one of the one of those would be a big ten team. If Georgia uh, wins out, and Alabama and Georgia both get in there and you assume one big team team that only leaves one spot for Clemson. If if Notre Dame wins up, that probably goes to them with their one loss being to Georgia. Yeah, Um, so through the lens of a Clemson fan thinking about what we need to happen, what we don't
1: control, all of that, you know, plenty of noise. I actually don't think there is a scenario where if Clemson runs the table, we won't get in. I mean, you you would need maybe a couple more undefeated teams and then you're choosing between Georgia with one loss only to Alabama late. And us or, you know, maybe a big 12 champ. But to be honest, I think this all falls down to what we can do with our remaining games. Yeah, And what you had four top 10 teams lose this week. It's going to continue. Yeah. So um, crazy stuff happens. I, I just, I question, can Clemson run the table? Can Clemson win the remaining ACC games and beat South Carolina? Um, Bill C, S&P Plus, they give us a 27% chance to finish 11 and one.
2: Well, I'll say this. Clemson is more talented than anybody left on their schedule, and they have more experienced guys in playing in bigger games. Um, and they have coaches who've won a national championship, so I would still give Clemson the benefit of the doubt. Well, Cody, let me ask you this.
1: Looking ahead at Clemson's regular season schedule, if there's a game on there, matchup-wise, that you don't like, like what is the game that scares you the most as Clemson fan.
0: I don't I hate to be captain obvious here, but it's it's got to be NC State, and it's because the, they are they playing really well. The defensive line's good. They're, that's in Raleigh. Everyone's making a little bit out of Georgia Tech. Not I'm not really that fearful of them. I still like we our, our defensive scheme is custom built to take them down. In Georgia Tech, what what they're
2: not going to do anything different than we haven't seen them do before. It's all about talent and, level. And we're here and home here and here as at as well.
0: It. That's yeah. a big part. And of we have it. two weeks to prepare. Little, Plus, we're mad. We're mad. Florida State has the defense to give us a lot of trouble. Um, and I, the talent. Auden Tate's
2: looking good. Cam, uh, Cameron Wake. Not Cameron uh, Wake. Well, Camer- Cam, uh, Akers. Akers, Cam Cam Acres. Cam so Akers. Speaking <laughs> of night games, um, they better – I hope they're used to it by now because Georgia Tech's going to be a night game. NC State's probably going to be a night game. Florida yeah. State could very well be a night game.
0: I hope so. I'm going to that one. So I'll, I'll make a, a relatively bold prediction. I don't see us losing two games this season. If we lose two, I think we'll win a third. If we if we were to lose a second one, I think we'll go ahead and lose a third one as well.
2: Yeah, I, I think you're right. And I'm looking at the schedule ahead. I totally agree. NC—I mean, I'm not convinced right now that we we don't beat or that we we don't lose to NC State. Um, to be honest, with sweet, you. you're not convinced we win that game. I'm not convinced we win that game at this point. NC State's looked really good of late. That loss to South Carolina at the beginning of the year was a fluke. Although it's funny, you know, you heard the term Clemson come back up, but. I was listening to somebody, I was listening to the Campus Connection, uh, ESPN's uh, college football podcast today, and they were talking about uh, Clemson's odds against NC State and whether or not they think they're going to win, and whoever it was said, I still take Clemson in this game because NC State is NC State. They're going to do what NC State does. So I think that's... Wolf
0: packing. Is that
2: too I think
0: it's obvious? NC State. So
1: let's talk about the game, though. NC State goes to Notre Dame the week before
2: us. It's a tough place
1: to play and against a good squad.
2: Yeah, we just, but we'll be coming off a game against. We had to prepare for Georgia Tech's weird offense, and then we have Florida State at home following that up, and then we were in Raleigh probably for a night game. So, I mean, you can look at it any which way. Um, both teams are just probably gonna have to. They're going to show up to play, and just hope we're prepared. Yeah, I mean, the
1: thing that probably scares me the most in that game is the the road atmosphere for our offense, and understanding that. Aggressiveness of their defense. They're an improved defense. They gave Deshaun Watson and the team fits last year at Death Valley. Uh, I think that's going to be the aspect of this game that scares me. I mean, I do think Finley is capable as a
2: passer. Um, but yeah, it's for me, it's that defense. Let's put it this way if this defense has, an, our defense has another performance like they did against Syracuse in any one of our remaining big games, um, then we will lose that game because the offense is not going to win it.
0: Yeah, I think I still think Florida State they're slowly but surely bringing along their quarterback. That defense again they always say defense travels, the speed and the size travels and I think that their defense is going to show up with a you know an added level of intensity. They don't have a whole lot to play for, but they would like to beat Clemson. I'm very sure of that. So those are two really tough games back to back.
1: Yeah, I think at this point, I mean you, you got to look there if you're penciling in another potential loss for this team. I got to hope the coaches the players themselves will take lessons from the Syracuse game and bring all the motivation they need into both of those, plus Georgia Tech not looking ahead to that tough stretch. Um, the question still remains for me, can they put the pieces together as a team um, in, in all three phases, really? Uh, you, you you can't... I think you can play special teams to where it's not a complete negative and losing you games. I mean, you know, all the stuff we said about the offense, the defense, etc., we don't want to put this all on Alex Spence, but... We lost by three. We missed two field goals. You know, could that easily happen against NC State or FSU? You could see it, right? So it, the rest of the team's got to pick up the special teams.
0: I agree. I, hate, I would hate to say that, you know, looking back at the beginning of the year, our most valuable player, one of our most valuable players was Greg Hugel And factoring in, what is the replacement level player? What is their value? What's your What's your it's like war? opportunity cost. Right. Like yeah. In baseball, they call it war. So, I yeah.
2: I don't think it's the rest of the team needs to pick up the special teams. I think the rest of the team need to. Help the defense out because the defense cannot carry it on their shoulders all year long. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I guess
1: you know maybe guys, we can talk about reactions after this game. I was, I was pretty heated. Uh, we're not used to losing, you know, and definitely not used to losing to unranked opponents in our conference, um, be it on the road or at home. So, kind of a, a weird feeling. I think that really the most frustration was just how this one played out. Um, it wasn't, you know, a singular play that beat us. There were a lot of moments where you saw this game, you know, missed opportunities and missed moments. And, you know, I saw a lot of I, foolishly, I decided to log on to social media throughout the weekend and actually watch other football games. Should not have
2: done that. Should have no gotten man, outside. And When we lose, you turn off the TV, <laughs> you wait till Monday and you get back into it, especially on a weekend where South Carolina wins, too. When South Carolina wins, no matter who they beat, no matter if it's a crappy team that they beat in uh, Texas, a crappy work. team. Yeah, yeah, they come out of the woodwork. Um, pat yourselves on the back, South Carolina. I think you, you got a coach fired, um, most likely. Um, but yeah, it's just shut off football. Come back refreshed. Going into a bye week, we have two weeks to rebound. We'll be fine. Yeah, I just saw some weird stuff. I mean, you, you know, we're going to lose, people are going to
1: overreact online and then you kind of saw a backlash to the backlash people saying you know if you're not if you're not all in with this team then you're all out you're not really a legit fan etc and to
2: that i say like none of us should be debating other people's fan credibility i mean listen this team has lost three games in the last three years with two national championship game appearances and one national championship like don't be spoiled Get over it. This team's gonna lose games. It's really, really hard to win football games. It's really, really hard to win every single football game. Get over it. We lost but, the games. Things will change. Trust the process. Trust the system. Trust the coaches. They've proven they can do it.
0: But I think the point being that like no one is beyond criticism, or at least uh, you know we can't thoughtfully, analytically, yeah. r- you know, and be and, and, cri- and being critical of our coaches at times because yeah, like they're not gods. They're not deities. Like some some fan bases will lift up Nick Saban like he is the almighty, but he's not he's well, he might be in Alabama, but, <laughs> um but no, that's the point. It's like not none are beyond like beyond criticism. And for, I, I think it's, I don't know. I, I just feel like Dabo as great as he is, like he he he's made a few coaching blunders over the years. Like, and it's, it's more specific to the in game situation and things like that. He
2: is technically still a young coach.
0: Yeah, no, he's, I think he's gotten better. Which and, is
2: even more amazing what he's been able to do in such a short period But I of time. think there's
0: a there's a difference between a great in-game coach, I think that's your Brent Venables, probably your Nick Saban, um, granted he has, he's not a coordinator, and your CEO, your program builder, the guy that's making all the right choices behind the scene, the recruiting catalyst, and those two things are not always, they're definitely not always one and the same, and sometimes they can be completely different.
1: Yeah, totally. I, I don't think it's to you know label people bandwagon fans who are jumping off if you're out here questioning our coaches or you know the execution of certain players etc that said i think there's a line and that line is calling out specific players you know at mentioning them on twitter etc and going after them
2: like that's that's sec fan material kids totally they're amateur athletes they're probably much younger than most of the people that are going after them on social media i mean these kids put more on the line every single day, put more hard hard effort into this than any of us probably do at our jobs. So get over it. Get off social media, especially if you're going to attack the kids.
0: If if you uh, base your self-esteem off of the ranking next to Clemson or the number next to Clemson's ranking, then that's probably a sign that you're probably in too deep and yeah, if you're, you know, by extension tweeting at kids that, you know, they're part of the football program, yeah, that's that's a problem. We some number, issues. We're
2: still number seven in the country.
1: I mean, you know, it can ruin your mood, but I think I think you hit on something
2: there, Cody. I've got the antidote. We went, Cody and I went to a brewery after the game. Again, West Coast time, so it's earlier here. And when I got home, I didn't remember any of it. <laughs> <laughs> We I advocate, was, we drinking, a smile we on advocate
1: drinking responsibly here on the podcast, but I, I had know, a smile on my. Sometimes face. you need one more than than other times.
2: If there is a silver lining to this, if Clemson wins out the rest of the regular season, the South Carolina game will be his hundredth win as a coach. That's pretty cool. Everything happens for a reason.
1: <laughs> um. Well, one other thing I'll mention about the weekend is, as, as bad as we were feeling about this this loss, watching Saturday unfold actually did did watch football Saturday um that was that did help me kind of react and get over over this loss a bit watching Washington fall um sorry for our, our good buddy Dan who watches Huskies fall I think that was the death knell for them in this season how do you lose by 34 to count I mean when you're when you're out of conference schedules Rutgers Fresno State and Let's make up something. Idaho sure um it's going to be tough to get off the mat here. And I don't know how many ranks wins they'll be able to have the rest of the way. Maybe they win the North. Maybe they can beat USC in that title game, but it's going to be a stretch for UW to get in. They're going to need some chaos elsewhere. Auburn losing that definitely sucked, but it added to kind of the top 10 chaos. And then you guys mentioned Wazoo uh, just completely laid, laid an egg against um, Cal. So all those things made it feel a little bit better. Reminded me of that pit loss last year. We at least know when to
2: pick our losses from a timing perspective. Exactly. And you were close with Idaho there. They actually played Montana. That's right. Um One of those states. Well, talk about Auburn losing to LSU. I mean, all Auburn was one last lost team only lost to Clemson. They went out. They're looking pretty good, even getting into the college football playoff with one loss. Um, and they go and blow it to LSU. So, yeah,
0: and I watched that one. That was very much on the, on the coaching. And if, like th- those are two losses now on Auburn's coaching staff. I mean, I, you could say the Clemson was a 50-50, but a, a coaching decision here or there would have potentially shifted the tide for them. And no pun intended. And it certainly did against LSU. That was just baffling how they didn't give Jarrett Stidham uh, some more like uh, easy intermediate routes. It was anyway.
1: They didn't have the eye of the tiger. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they were like there the eye eagle eye. Of,
0: they had an eagle eye, not the eye of the tiger. Yeah, eagle's not as good as a tiger. So speaking of, <laughs> I don't know. no, it's not. They lost to the Tigers, though. I mean, if you're Twice. If you're throwing the two in a, in a fighting ring, I'd, I'd want to be a the Tigers. Tiger. Yeah. Win. yeah.
2: How many Eagles, though, would it take to beat a Tiger? It's many. Um, as Gus Malzahn played quarterbacks against Clemson last year. They didn't beat us, though. Right. So a Tiger still beats three Eagles. That's, right. what, we're, that's what we're saying. Okay. Yeah. It beats a cock. A Gamecock, a chicken. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah. Um, So do we think Butch
1: Jones is gone? He's definitely gone. The question is, does he give his AD reason to do it between now and the end of the year? Um, You know, the coaching cycle, you guys remember when Spurrier quit, you know, everyone thought, oh, South Carolina can get a head start and a jump on the coaching search. They were the one of the last teams to hire a coach. Yeah, but they're South Carolina. Tennessee does have a better pedigree. A name I heard them throughout there was Mike Bobo, former Georgia OC. He's a head coach at Colorado State. Um, Clemson fans have talked about that being one where maybe he can recruit Trevor Lawrence to flip. I don't personally see that happening, but those two do have a relationship. Um, How about Dino Babers?
2: He just won a big game. Congratulations, Syracuse. You just lost your coach.
0: He's not do I think there.
2: he'll get
1: hired away? Yes. I don't think it'll be Tennessee.
2: It, it won't be this year
1: either.
0: Yeah. Um, uh from uh, from Purdue is
1: that right Jeff Brom
0: or Brom yeah not from
1: not yeah yeah
0: Brom from maybe Purdue maybe Brom um uh, i
1: mean he played at he played at Louisville is that right i'm not sure yes yeah closer closer to home you're not going to fact check us we're going to say yes sounds good um yeah i'm not sure who he, Butch Jones is gone and you know what that's a negative for Clemson um uh, we've made a living off of recruiting out of Tennessee while he's been their head coach so you know we're going to have to find better ways to get into that state and pull guys out. Hopefully having T. Higgins and Amari Rogers will help with that process, but we'll see. Any other kind of national stuff you guys paid attention to over the weekend? Uh, teams coming on strong, Ohio State, uh, you know, don't look now. They have not played a team with a winning schedule or not beaten a team with a with a winning record, I, I should say. It's like
2: a typical front-runner Big Ten team.
1: Totally is. Um, they did schedule Oklahoma, got their ass kicked, but you know they they're going to continue to get the benefit of the doubt, and they look good.
0: There there is something to say for beating teams that you're supposed to beat. You know, I can reference Friday night for us. So yeah, we it's can't all, talk too much. Yeah, about that's that. all I'll say. That's right. And they um, and they're beating, they're putting them away handily too.
1: Yeah, they are S P number one right now, um, and they're they're looking good on both sides of the ball. So I think they are going to be the Big Ten clear winner. I think they're going to smoke Penn State. You heard it here first. Probably not. It's in Columbus. It's a week after Penn State plays Michigan, who is one of the hardest defenses in the country. So that's in two weeks. It's in two weeks um, when we play Georgia Tech. Um, I, that one's got to be
2: ESPN Game Day night game, don't you? think? Oh yes. As long as, well, even if uh, Penn State loses to Michigan this weekend, and they uh, will. I would still think so. You think Penn State's gonna lose to Michigan? Or
0: I'm sorry, yeah, Michigan will. They will beat Michigan. Michigan's horrible. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm
2: glad you're really coming. coming along the offense there, is just incompetent. Jim Hallbard. isn't that what he's good at? They squeaked
0: one out against Indiana. I mean,
1: let me ask you: like, Penn State squeaked one against Iowa. Is Iowa much better than Michigan?
0: Well, I watched or that game, and Michigan? that was kind of the like everything went wrong. If you look at the box score, they they beat them in every facet. Just a few things here and there. They should have won by like three touchdowns. Iowa's was not as bad as Indiana, or are they? They're probably, actually, they're probably close. No, I was better than Indiana.
1: I think years, it, I think at home years.
0: at home they are they're very good. They're better at home. Yeah, that's fair. Uh
1: but anyway, I think the Big 10 will shake itself out to some extent. I expect Wisconsin they do play Michigan. That's really their only game until the Big 10 title game. It's going to be them they probably will go undefeated. Watch PJ Fleck and Minnesota upset them though in that rivalry game. That'd be interesting. I don't watch a lot of Minnesota football. <laughs> it's not that exciting. Um anyway, I think we're going to wrap it up there from a national perspective. Um uh, what are you guys going to
2: do in the bye week? Not record a podcast. Um uh, you know, get some brownie points uh for my wife, paint the bathroom. Um, I, I got to think of something
0: it. so like new girlfriend doesn't break up with me. So I got to think of something to do because yeah, I don't have like a house to paint or an apartment to paint because all she knows is I, I watch football too much. So, if you guys have any suggestions, have you heard of a
1: restaurant, it's these
0: places where they make food, bring it to your table. Have you ever taken her on a date? No. I mean, I take her to the boardroom where we watch the Clemson play, but that's about it. Yeah. So, that's dating in the digital world. The chivalry is lost. Yeah. She seems to like Clemson. So, that's cool. You got her a shirt, it's good.
1: Excellent. Um, yeah, what are you so, doing, Tully? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't decided yet. Probably not watch watch any sports at all. So uh going to enjoy that. Uh, fall has hit here. Uh, we've got forest fires or wildfires happening in the Bay Area, but you can still get outside a little bit. So uh, I don't know.
0: Hope to do some of that. That sounds lame. It sounds like you're a dad.
1: Totally a dad. <laughs> Total dad life. But uh, yeah, looking forward to, I don't know, having a week off from reflecting on Clemson. Um, this loss sucked. We'll get over it. you know. Hopefully, this was helpful, I think, for you guys to talk
2: through as it, as it was me um, and for our listeners, too. Hey, in, in three years of doing this podcast, we've only had to talk about a loss three times. That's not too bad. One right. being a national one championship. Per year.
0: Yeah, one, one per year. If we get to two, we shut it down. That's right.
1: Pull the plug. Um, well, With that said, we will pull the plug on this episode. Thanks again for everyone tuning in. I appreciate you listening, and we will catch you for... Some type of podcast in and around the Georgia Tech game likely to be a recap um, may do some type of preview. Look for that. If we do on our social media, you can find us on Twitter at Clemson podcast. We're also on Facebook under the same name. You guys know where to find us. Keep shouting us out. Uh, We will we will continue to engage um, in this show and online. So thanks again, everybody. We will wrap it there. Thanks, everyone. And go Tigers.
0: I'm so I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not. This is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the Nuke Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home.
2: I should say one
1: about Dabo going into the locker room. Or we could do like, Butch Jones tried to go into the South Carolina locker room, but was overcome by the smell of feces.
0: Taking a page out of Dabo's
1: book from the (laughs) night before. Jones. Butch Jones (laughs) attempted to go into the South Carolina locker room, but (laughs) couldn't get through the door due to the backup.
0: Everyone likes a shit joke. They were in Knoxville, though, weren't they? I think they were. Oh
1: yeah, but either Still, way, yeah. whatever, that works. <laughs> <it's, it's, laughs>